everyone. Welcome to the Weekly Overtake, Episode 5, coming at you live after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix for Formula 1. Uh, we were expecting some fireworks this week, and uh, I don't know that we saw them at all. It was a pretty pedestrian race. Uh, the qualifying order pretty much set the race result. Um, that doesn't mean that there's not some things to talk about and you know there's not some storylines at play. But yeah, I think we we're expecting a lot more out of this, I would say, historic street circuit and the fact that the venue is indeed historic, but only the fourth running of this race. But yeah, I mean, would you see Taylor throughout the week, throughout the race? I mean, this is going to be a, a, a free form podcast. So just, you know, Bear whatever you want to talk about first. Yeah, bring yeah. it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I think we all thought Ferrari was going to bring the heat this this weekend. Uh, they were looking fast uh, by the timesheets. I think we were all expecting, you know, that Ferrari would make up some make up some points this week. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the way it, it played out. Um, from what I saw, uh, Ferrari just could not execute um, on their strategy. You know, uh, Mercedes, if anything, has been um, excellent in executing uh, just race strategy, um, not making any mistakes as far as pit stops. Um, I mean, yeah. So I think, I think Ferrari just didn't capitalize on their advantage. And, you know, that is, uh, that is something that is hard to, it's hard to fix because everybody, it's, it's hard to pinpoint something. Hey, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. You know, obviously, <clears throat> uh, Leclerc, uh, crashing out in Q2, uh, didn't help his chances, but at the same time, I mean, he, when the race started, he made up places, uh, quickly i mean by by 20 laps i mean he was 20 or so laps i mean he was leading the race um now he they may have been on a different strategy um if he would have you know qualified higher but uh you know at at the at the end of the day i think i don't think that they uh i don't think that they kept him out i think that, I, I i think they kept him out too long um I know that they were they were struggling or they were uh worried about what the soft was gonna do at the end of the race. If they if they pitted too early, obviously uh, he would have no tire left, but you know, I don't know. I mean they're smart enough to know that Mercedes what Mercedes was doing too, so yeah. Yeah, I mean I, at that point, so the way it ended up in Q two with um yeah, Charles Leclerc wrecking at that infamous corner right there by the castle, um, you know, it just, it, it put them on a whole different strategy. So m the top 10 all started on softs with uh, Leclerc be being the only one in the medium, meaning that the whole field was going to have to pit early. We knew we were going to see Leclerc in first place out ahead, but how far ahead could he keep the pace is, is what was to be seen. And it turns out um, not very much so because after the Mercedes came out on the mediums, they were still fire. So I think Botas came out. He was 13 seconds behind Leclerc, and that chipped away from 13, 11, 8, 6, 4. And then in no time, he was right there, and, and they passed him like clockwork. They, they went by. He was asking, why can't we pit now? And I think that was lap 
31 32 out of a 51 lap race it was it was in the early 30s and you know the team principal and, and his engineer said you know not yet you know we're not sure the softs can last that long but i think putting him out there on that like you said might have been a good opportunity at least to you know fight and and then try to be at least a, a speed bump or something and just just try and fight for the podium they did come out at the end of the race and they they pulled a fast one came back in because they had the gap to um sergi uh who was it yeah uh carlos science behind or sergio perez behind and uh put the soft on went out there with three laps to go they got a fastest lap point which everyone made fun of the rule but it does turn into some excitement at least uh, in this race this week. Yeah. Stealing a point away from the team that is ruling the world right now. I don't know if you're Game of Thrones fans, but they're basically um, they're like the Lannisters right now. They're just kind of rule <laughs> everything. Yeah. This I mean, and that's that's all good. That's a whole storyline in itself. The Mercedes team and and you know, as a team, we understand they're great. But the problem is there's two drivers in this team, one Valtteri Bottas and one Lewis Hamilton. And at the end of the season, even if Mercedes wins, which I think we can anticipate that will happen. I mean, it, I mean there's, you know, there's 17 races to go. Who knows? 21 race season, four down. But there will be a fight. This will be a head-to-head battle all year long. And right yeah. now they're even, two and two. The first one going to Bottas, the next two to Hamilton, and Bottas taking this one in Azerbaijan so I mean do you okay so on that point with this whole Mercedes dominating and there's two really like the two best drivers are obviously or at least the two that are going to be fighting for the championship are in the same team I mean what do you think that does does team strategy and the thought that there may be some sort of strings being pulled in the background as far as who gets what like I mean the only thing I could see is that um you know, they don't want to see Hamilton get another championship, so they're going to do something in the background that that puts Botas at an advantage. You know, like do you? That's kind of my fear with such a heavily team strategized. Are you talking about Mercedes, or are you talking about like the FIA I, and no, Formula no, no. One as a whole? I'm talking about Mercedes. Well, why Mercedes? Is, they don't. I mean, they want to win. They don't care who wins. They want to win. So. It's like, does Bill Belichick care if Tom Brady wins? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's to me, they're not there for promoting the sport. They're there to win, regardless of who wins. So, I think if anybody would be trying to undercut or like sandbag, or it would be the FIA trying to make the sport more competitive. If I see rule changes coming out of this or different things happening to try and weaken the Mercedes team. But the thing is, like, this is not new. The V6 hybrid era. It's the Mercedes era. Like, they don't have a lot of history in F1, but they have had it since 2014. Once they changed the rules and they shifted over to the V6 hybrid, it's it's their game, and it's it's theirs to lose, you know? So no one else has been able to step up and beat them consistently throughout a season because every year we're looking at Mercedes as a, as a team, as a constructor's championship winning the season. So... I mean, what do you what do you think what do you think gives Mercedes a, a unique advantage in that in the V six turbo era? Do you, I mean, because I, I don't really know. I mean, I, 
obviously, you know, Ferrari um, is has been playing with hybrids. I mean, yeah, just, you know, they're did they, a lot of that trickled down into like the the LaFerrari road car. You know, so it, it, I mean, their focus is there. Um, I mean, to me, I like I said, I, I don't really think it comes down to necessarily some sort of technological advantage that Mercedes Red, Red Bull's there versus happens there every weekend fighting for a podium spot. And that's a, I mean, quote unquote private team. It is, it's Red Bull. Yeah. And they're running a Honda engine, you know, and they're still up there at the top. So they have the, the money. I think it might, it might not be so much Mercedes, but the money, not that Ferrari doesn't have money either, but I think it comes down to like the players in your team, the engineers, the guys that are working out the kinks and, yeah. and working on the arrow. Um, maybe some super clever military general style strategists that are out there just are you laying saying, the groundwork, you know? Are you saying it's a German versus Italian mentality? Oh no, <laughs> yeah. What's, what's funny is the, even the announcers were kind of making fun of that. I don't know if you caught that. They were like, Oh, I was watching was- in German actually today. Oh, so okay. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't get no Martin Brundle or any of the good stuff. So they were like, they were shitting on, the Italian uh, or on Ferrari's uh, like pit crew, they were like, "Oh, they're gonna put down the espressos and finally go out and oh. get look out of it." I was like, "Oh my god, wow!" Like, uh, there's a lot of that, just like stereotypical, you know. Italian, no, and that's a- Italian worth that work ethic jokes going around, you know. Yeah, and this this V6 hybrid era, as much as you love it or hate it, obviously we missed the, you know, the big V12s and. You just you know naturally aspirated monstrous engines of the past, but I mean it's it's kind of the upside down right now. Where Williams, formerly great team, tons of championships over the course of history. McLaren, same in the late eighties, early nineties. Ferrari throughout time has been competitive with hundreds of podiums and you know tens of championships. But now it's just been and Mercedes is really not relevant at all before before recently. So they're just they're just making money now doing this though so, i mean yeah. to competition wise i don't know they're talking 2021 rule changes uh porsche joining f1 as that i mean that's a nice curveball that i would love to see from the development standpoint because their their lp1 car as was a, insane as a chassis manufacturer right i yeah i gotta read more into it but i just there's been rumblings of of porsche joining the formula one series whether it's um, I don't know if they're going to join as a straight up Porsche team or just as a, yeah, like a chassis or a power unit for the private teams like Racing Point or, you know, yeah, uh, Haas or any of those guys. But I mean, there was some good stuff throughout the week. So let's go back and rewind. Red Bull came in with their first updates, not so much them, but Honda. The Honda had a, a the first power unit update for the season a little early. Most would say only three races in. Um, putting on an update, but the update was more focused on like longevity and reliability of the engine, not so much uh, getting more more uh, power out of the engine. So all four Hondas on the field being that the Red Bull of Gasly and Verstappen and the uh, <clears throat> the undercard racing team with uh, Daniel Fiat and Alexander Albon uh, all getting a new update this week. Uh, Something else that happened was McLaren. Uh, they actually had a really good race weekend, quietly, because no one's looking at the back of the pack or the middle of the pack um, during this race, but they both made it a Q3. 
both uh, Norris and Sainz. And then when they finished the race, they were there seventh and eighth. So I think it was a really good weekend for McLaren overall, quietly under the radar, finally getting their, their stride, I think, and at least having some consistency and not getting lost because during the first three races of the year, they're always in the mix and early scuffles, you know, just resulting in damaged front wings, punctures, stuff like that really put them out of the, out of the fight early on. So at least nice to see them in the top 10 as a team and finishing the race. So, yeah. Yeah. And another other things that happened in the race, obviously we saw a little incident uh, between uh, Ricardo and um, uh, Danny. Gro- uh, Danny, Danny Fiat. Danny the Fiat. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Um, which was a strange, I mean, obviously uh, it looked like Ricardo just kind of overshot the corner, locked up the tire. Um, and initially we didn't see this, but uh, he backed into uh, uh, Danny trying to get out of there. So, uh, and yeah, he that, just, I mean, I don't know what's going to come of that, but that seems well, like he, he got hit with a three grid penalty for, for the next race. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I figured. Cause that's, it's a careless act. I mean, you I mean they both, they came, well, no, I mean, Ricardo came in hot. Kafiat was there and he saw him run off. He went to turn in and he had to only go, you know, he had to run away. He had to run wide and on a street circuit, there's nowhere to run wide. Yeah. So he was right there facing the wall. And I'm not sure what he was doing, but obviously Ricardo was in a hurry to get his car out and back on track. Normally they don't do that. They they'll pull forward and kind of like give it some gas and whip it around and then pull back onto the track. But he decided to put it in reverse for whatever reason. And yeah. I don't know, there's no spotter. There was no, nobody in the radio telling him stop, don't do that. And he just damaged the barge board of Kafiat's car. And they both ended up retiring shortly after that. So yeah, unfortunate, but Brett Reno was not, I mean, they weren't really impressing anybody this week anyway, but yeah, yeah, it sucks to run wide. And that was more of an issue during practice and qualifying. We saw a lot of people run wide at, at turn three. That was a uh, a tricky corner to, to figure out the breaking point and, and how to approach that that angle. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, always, I'm always complaining about F1. But for some reason, the... Uh, the fragility of these F1 cars bothers me a, a, just a little bit um, because it just makes any, any small mistake. It just makes the margin of error so small, um, which, you know, on in one aspect, I mean, okay, we're at, we're, this is the top level four wheel uh, racing. Uh, and so, yeah, obviously it, sh- it should be the best of the best of the best and fair enough. Um, However, it I just think that it uh, it can cause situations like we're in now, where it's like you get you get one you get kind of one team that's that can kind of stay out of trouble, um, you know, good at staying out of trouble. They're not necessarily the fastest, and they can they can dominate. I mean, that's uh you know a little bit of luck, a little bit of here here or there, whatever. So, yeah. It's frustrating, but there's there's luck in everything. I mean, the car is so aero dependent. I would say more so than anything else. Yeah. The reason Williams is so slow, it's not because their their chassis is terrible, or they're running a Mercedes power unit. 
and you literally look at the top and the bottom of the grid, you see two Mercedes on top and two Mercedes at the bottom. Mercedes powered cars, right? Williams and the actual Mercedes team. So, I mean, it's just so there's so much focus on on aerodynamics and team strategy. And yeah, yeah it's a little nerdy and you can nerd out on it, but well, I think I think what that makes is you have to be like a super fan. You have to really be into this to really understand what's like like that situation that the top and the bottom mm-hmm. grid can share power units but can be worlds apart. Right. You know? And and unfortunately like no matter how good the teams are or you know good the the program is that doesn't that doesn't make for exciting racing. I mean it doesn't. Um, I think the F2 races this week were much more exciting as I always say that I feel like. <laughs> but cuz <laughs> well, F2 is like a, it's a spec standard issue, you know, yeah, like because it's, that's, it's people in real competition, I guess if you will. But yeah, that 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 brings this that brings the the deciding factor down to a lot of just the driver, what they do on the track. Uh there's obviously I'm sure there's much much less any sort of strategy. I mean, it's kind of just like I think for you we can call this like corporate racing. Like picture like Walmart versus Target versus Amazon, right? Like he because Ferrari versus Mercedes versus you know Red Bull or McLaren. Like these are massive corporations with tons of money and a handful of you know just engineers and just yeah. Like who can make and execute the best you know vehicle and driver and plan at the end of the week? And and so far it's been it's been Mercedes through and through. So how how is this shaking out for you at the top? Like we're looking at the rest of the field right now. It looks sad. We're four races in. We're like, okay, we're discounting everybody. This is over. We've already decided Mercedes is going to, they're going to take the championship this year. But is it going to be Valtteri Botas? Is it going to be Lewis Hamilton? Um, what's your kind of, you know, hot or cold on either one? You know, how well, do you feel? Botas coming out strong in Australia. Also performing well here. Keep in mind, last year, he had a blowout in the last lap at the same race that gave Lewis Hamilton the win last year and he lost out so he should have won last year and i'm, I'm happy for valetary because this is almost like a vindication for him in reaffirming that yes he should have won that race last year and yeah. basically he should have had back-to-backs at this circuit so um but who do you feel has you know got the edge this year we all know that lewis is the you know four-time world champion but i mean i like valetary early and i still like him now so it's really hard for me to say uh, really what advantage either Mercedes driver has over the other. It's really, you know, obviously they're both excellent drivers. Um, I think it's a little bit of luck. I mean, obviously last year, you know, catching, yeah, catching a piece of carbon and blowing a tire. I mean, that honestly, that's just luck. I don't, I don't know if you can call that anything else. Um, and you know, so, I mean, who would I, who would I like to win? I mean, I'd like to see Valtteri get it, you know, get the championship. Um, I mean, just if, if it is going to be Mercedes one, two, this whole season, yeah. um, which I think is a very likely possibility because I think what they're showing is that it's n- even despite any sort of speed, speed disadvantage, um, they're able to execute in, in many situations and they're it's, able to it, do. It's when it counts. It's when it counts. So yeah. like we were talking about before, Ferrari fastest in, well, well, free practice one wasn't, it was 12 minutes long. George Russell, um, I think like we talked about offline, 
uh, ran over a manhole cover and it hit the bottom of the chassis of the car and blew up the car basically. So they had to replace that entire vehicle. And then Kubica crashed in qualifying. They had to replace that car. I don't know how many cars Williams brought to Azerbaijan, but they had to replace two cars this week. And that's horrible to end up on the back of the grid and have to go through all that. Poor Williams. I mean, and then um, Kubica got hit with a, a, a drive-through penalty because they lined up his car on in the pit lane yeah too too early i mean it's like yeah him and um who there's a handful of pit lane starts this week we had giovanazzi with a with a penalty ghastly with a penalty for the waybridge uh Raikkonen after qualifying realized that his front wing violated the arrow rules he was starting from the pit lane there was lots of uh so-called infringements i would say the waybridge rule though for for ghastly pierre ghastly actually showed some pace and like i said before with the with the top three the Mercedes Ferrari Red Bull. I need Gasly in the mix. Max can't do it by by himself. He's up there splitting the Ferraris every week. But if he had a teammate to actually go up there to help him, give him a toe in qualifying and push, you know, or just act as a speed bump or or fend off the undercut from somebody else, we're gonna see Max on the podium. Like, there's no doubt that that guy's super talented. You know, and he's super fast. Yeah. So I I Gasly had pace too, and the fact that he miss the call and the way it works is like when they're pulling into the pits there's a man with a number sign on the side and it says like they're holding up the car number saying oh, okay number 12 come to the waybridge so ghastly didn't see it didn't go to the waybridge went to his pit box and i get it there's cameras everywhere the the team principals and engineers should be watching this stuff and they should know and if he goes to the pit box he can turn around and go back to the bridge before they touch the car or mess with it or remove anything but as a team, they missed it. But him as a driver, he didn't see the sign when he came in, you know. But I feel like there should be the, just a better process. And I think as the way we talked about in MotoGP with the, with the starts and the ride-through penalty being, uh, you know, just too much, it's, it's too invasive, I feel the same way. Like if you miss a way bridge, you shouldn't have to start from pit lane because he was on his way to Q3 and he would have been starting in the top 10. And now yeah. he's starting from 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 pit lane. Like that's it's excessive. Uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's excessive, and it's it's unfortunate because he's yeah. finally getting his stuff together. He knows the pressure's on, and he has to get his act together at Red Bull in order to not lose his job. Because everyone's looking down at Alexander Albon with the Red Bull team, and the you know the, the undercard Red Bull team, and they're they're loving everything he's doing. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see him in the seat if there's not performance from from Gasly, who has been better. And Giovinazzi, too, as well. They did great in qualifying with Kimi Raikkonen. I think maybe he's learning from him. But um, the rookies this year are actually... I'm excited more about them than almost anything else. Albon, Giovinazzi, and, uh, yeah, Gasly, Leclerc, not really rookies, but, you know, second season in, in, the, in the league. So, yeah. Yeah. What yeah. else you got? You know, uh, not a whole lot else, man. It just, it's kind of shaping up that Mercedes is just kind of going to dominate this deal. And I know there's a lot of other storylines outside of who gets, you know, one, two, uh, and three, I guess. But, um, sure. you know, it's... Um, yeah, for now, I, the battle's at the front. And uh, yeah, if you're tuning in, then that's where the focus is going to be. Um, we'll see you May 5th, Sunday. So that's, it's a week from now next weekend. Yep. 
We got some MotoGP and we got it in Spain. At 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 a circuito de Hareth, Hareth with a T H, even though it's spelled with an E Z. Hareth, yeah, that should be a good one though. So from Thursday on, practice, qualifying Saturday, race Sunday. Absolutely, it's gonna be be a good weekend. I can almost guarantee you that we'll have a lot more to talk about next Sunday than we do this Sunday. Yeah, that's how it goes. But hey. Yeah. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Um, we appreciate uh, all the listeners. If you got any questions, anything you want us to hit on, touch on, let us know. Give us uh, give us an email, and we'll be sure to do it. So, anything else, Josh? Nothing else, man. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we'll see you next week. Cheers. <laughs>